Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. First to business, the show is not work safe, not kids safe, not safe for anyone in any circumstance. So if that's uh, too shocking for you, bail, eject, abort. The show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial, attribution, 4.0, unported. The music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. The bandwidth is provided via Cashfly under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I have a day job. I am not speaking for them. I am in a cold office on Thanksgiving weekend. I am not representing the brand. Okay? Are we clear on that? Let us get directly into a song. This is, a, in fact, one of my favorite ways to get music, which is listener submission. Darren sent this in. I was talking a little about woodworking, and uh, he basically sent in an audio documentary of what it's like when I'm out there trying to do anything handy. So with no further ado, this is Corb Lund, a, I believe, Canadian. I believe Darren is Canadian, and I believe Corb is Canadian. And I was previously unfamiliar with this artist um, from the album Horse Soldier, exclamation point, Horse Soldier, exclamation point. This is Corb Lund with hard on the equipment, parentheses, tool for the job, as I say, a documentary of me <laughs> attempting anything in the garage. He's been rounding off bolts since the age of 14. Was that a 5.8 or a 9.16? So you got a metric socket that don't quite fit a little just a little, but it ain't quite stripped. Safety guard's gone from his grinding machine. He got a stiff paintbrush, he only sorta of got clean. He's the hired man, my neighbor, and a cousin in law. He's a jerry rigging fool, he got the tool for the job. Well, it's a vice grip suppliers, and pliers for a wrench, a wrench for a hammer, hammers everything else. It just don't seem to make much difference. I sure do like him, but he's hard on equipment. Corners ain't square and his floor ain't level And he's had a little trouble with the old tape measure His doors don't close cause the jam ain't plumbing He's a goddamn menace with the air nail gun You love to see him coming at the lumberyard store Fix the leak in his roof with a two-by-four Drills holes in the boards with the wrong kind of bit And when they don't line up, he blames the government well, it's a vice grip suppliers, applies for a wrench, a wrench for a hammer, hammers everything else. It just don't seem to make much difference. I sure do like 
hiking, but he's hard on equipment. He got the whole front yard full of fix em up cars. A three don't run and the rest won't start. Well, everything's fine with his rebuilt motor. Set for course for the couple spare washers left over. Better twine tie down, going down the road on two ball tires and an oversized load. He ain't never read the manual, cause that's like cheating. He don't mind the grease on his hands while he's eating. Well, it's a bicycle supplier. Pies for a wrench, a wrench for a hammer, hammers everything else. It just don't seem to make no difference. I sure do like him, but he's hard on equipment. No, it just don't seem to make much difference. I sure like you, son, but you're hard on equipment. All right, that, my friends, is a little close to home. <laughs> Thank you, Darren, for sending that. That was Core Blund with Hard on Equipment. It is time for what, 36 or 39? Let's say 39, people consider the best part of the show, and that is the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly slash EGC Patreon, and they pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling for which i thank you one and all and those people are Derek coward adam rittenauer ken kennedy paul fisher arhuli robert harvey paul smith andrew heron grant bachoco tony ewing craig step shannon nelson charlotte kennedy leah the enigmagic angela lee chuck tomasi Stuart maxwell michael butler bruce lerner Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Lynn Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, and patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas, Steve Holden, and who was the last one? Oh, Eric Peterson. <laughs> pa- Patreon will not take their money. No matter what, and it is a screw up. Uh, but there's still uh, patrons in our hearts. Thank you, one and all. And if, again, if you would like to be a patron, bit.ly/slash egc patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. So, the Corblen song <laughs> did not come from nowhere. I have been talking uh, on a previous show about how I have sort of half acidly. Uh, I'm not sure I rise to the level of half-assed, let's say one-third acidly, uh, slowly becoming a woodworker. And I had mentioned, I think on the last show, I had mentioned the possibility of the pegboard project, where I wanted pegboard in my garage. I did not want to affix it to the walls of this garage because it just didn't work out. So effectively, what I built was a freestanding wall 
um, on which I could hang pegboard, and I put it on casters so I could roll it around. And so that was in the planning stages. I originally was going to build this thing with one by twos. I this shows how little I know is that there is zero chance that the weight would have been held by one by twos because it was just when you held the things like even just screwing two of them together, it it felt barely substantial to be like a picture frame. It wasn't going to hold. 40 pounds of pegboard. So uh, back to the drawing board. My brother said, just make the thing with two by fours, for God's sake. <laughs> and so I did. And uh, when I finally got to the weekend of making it, cutting it, and I made effectively a box, like a four foot by eight foot box, which is the thing you screw the pegboard into. And then once I got that, I put uh, basically supports on the side of that, I just screwed those into the side. And then uh, I put casters on the whole thing. And uh, I could roll the thing around. I'm like, great. And then I screw the pegboard into it, and the fucking thing works. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. And it, it's been in my garage ever since. And uh, it's got tools hanging on it. And, uh, you know, it's got casters with footlocks. And I put it, it's living where it'll fit right now. And ideally, um, this is like the first edge of getting the garage clean enough that I can actually put it elsewhere where it will make more sense, but I can't put it now because there's stuff there. But the pegboard helps make stuff go away. So it's all part of a virtuous cycle. So that project happened. So now at this point, I've uh, emboldened myself. I've got, I own a circular saw. <laughs> I splurged for the, I think, $42 at Harbor Freight one. I could have bought the $30 one, but I bought the $42 one because it has the laser sight that shows where you're uh, about to cut. I'm like, ooh, sweet. And I even, during the pegboard thing, I even figured out how to cut, make a 45-degree cut with it so that I could make cross pieces, uh, like support cross pieces for my legs of my pegboard. Uh, and I, only once did I cut the 45-degree angle in the wrong way and make a board useless. <laughs> I didn't do it zero times, but I only did it once. <laughs> um, so uh, I was emboldened by that. So one of the things that I've wanted, because there is just a lot of general clutter, I have a combination of in my office and in my garage, I have a bunch of just boxes of shit. A lot of those have to do with like toys, like action figures and stuff I bought a long time ago that I haven't, I have actually disposed of some of it, but I still have a lot of it in, in my, um, you know, in the, either the garage or my office. And I said, what can I do? I have these, I've really been trying to make these, uh, stainless steel ceilings work for me. I actually like the kind of unfinished way, you know, my, my office is the only room in the house like this where it's got, Basically, exposed wood paneling, like it's barely even uh, stained. It's like it looks almost like uh, raw wood that has just been lacquered uh, as the siding, and then it's got the metal uh, ceiling. And it gives it a, it's like this one room and the entire house looks kind of like a cabin. And I said, like, What can I do to make this? And I said, Can I make shelves that hang via magnets from the ceiling? So they don't screw into anything, they just literally dangle from uh dangle from the ceiling so um i got I, I made a prototype so i went to lowe's and i got a one by 12 and this is how um this is how crazy i was i have these magnets i have a couple times i i have a i think a like a 15 pound magnet and a 40 pound magnet and the 40 pound magnet is obviously much more expensive now I know there's no there's zero chance I'm getting 40 pounds out of this 40 pound magnet because it's sitting on a 45 degree 
angle. <laughs> so the 45 is when it's coming down. And it's not a lot of times that it gets, if you put too much weight on it, it's not necessarily that it uh, pulls off of the uh, ceiling. It's that it slides. And even to help them out, I, every one of these magnets that's uh, like involved in the shelf thing, I put a layer of duct tape on the front just to a, to keep it from scratching the shit out of my thing, my ceiling as it slides around, but also um, just to give it a little bit of friction so they don't slide so readily. And my first shot was I took this one-inch board, this one-by-twelve, and it was eight feet long. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I drilled uh, drilled holes in the corners and put in, uh, you know, put in eye hooks, eye bolts, and uh, some chain, and I just tried to see, will this thing work? Did not work. It was a complete uh, disaster <laughs> because I had essentially like 96. What? Let's round off the fact that it drives me crazy that like a one by uh, a one by 12 is like 0.75 by 11.7. Like none of the things are actually the number they say they are. Let's pretend it was a uh, let's pretend it's actually one. So it's like one inch by 12 by 12 inches by eight feet. So it's. Uh, I don't know what that is, but like the, the volume of that thing, uh, it was probably 20 pounds, 15, 20 pounds for that, bo- that one board. And it was just too, it's not that the, the, the magnets and the chain couldn't hold it. It's that it couldn't, um, it's the dynamic load versus the static load. It's good enough for the static load, but when you first let go of it, there's a dynamic load that's different. And even letting it go as gently as I could, um, I just couldn't make that work. I was, like, ah. I was like, maybe I bit off way more than I can chew on this. So I said, let's back way up. So I backed up to one by sixes and I cut them in half. So now what I have here is basically one quarter of what that first attempt was. And I said, okay, let me take these four foot sections of one by six and let's do the same thing. Drill holes, put in eye bolts, chains. And I, I took one and I just made a prototype of it and just put it up on the thing. And lo and behold, the thing stayed. Like, wow. That moment when I let go of it and it stayed where I put it. I was like, oh my God, is this thing going to work? And I let it up. I, I left it on my ceiling and I kind of cleared things out. I said, like, let's prepare for this thing coming down. <laughs> and I just let it sit for, I think, two days. And it was fine for those two days. And I said, huh, all right, now let's take this uh, four foot section here and let's just load it up with toys uh, that I have lying around as if like a, a typical thing, like what we expected to have. And so I put like my Cadillacs and dinosaurs, uh, cat, you know, the Cadillac from Cadillac and dinosaurs cartoon. I put that on there and just some stuff. I think I had two vehicles and some figures and, you know, and I put it up and I left it there for another I, don't, I think it was like a week from beginning to end of this test. So I left it there, whatever the balance of that is, four, four or five days. And it stayed. I'm like, well, shit, let's go for it. So I ended up, so I had, the, I had actually purchased the one by twos before. And I said, huh, these things are just useless for the structure I was going to do. But if I screw them into the back of this other board, they make a nice little lip so that things, I can have things not roll off the back end of it. It's like, okay. So I screw those things in. Uh, you know, cut them down, screw them in. And now I've got these like nice 
with a they're I say L shaped. They're not really L shaped. They're just like there's a little blip. There's like effectively like a one inch blip above the board. Really and truly, it's to keep vehicles from rolling backwards on uh, and and falling off the backside. Um, did that. I stained them. I lacquered them. Um, it worked okay. The the point where I lacquered them, um, I had to leave them out to dry, and I, it was just it was about one hour too late in the day. And the point where I had to leave them out to finish drying was just late enough. The sun went down, and it got a little dewy. And so that's the worst part of the whole thing is there's some unevenness because the lacquer got wet before it completely dried. I was like, eh. But you know what? I'm going to roll with it. And then uh, I had already drilled all the holes. I put the eye bolts in. I, I, I took one uh, board and was like, I did all this math. <laughs> I used Pythagoras' theorem, and I tried to figure out all the stuff. And it didn't work right because I wasn't accounting for the height of the eye bolt or any of this or the like the size of the magnet hook. So what I ended up doing was just taking links of chain, figuring out what worked. And I said, okay, this is good. Counted the links and the chain. Like, fine. And I just cut off, cut out like 16, you know, effectively I have a front link and a back link, right? And so that holds the board level. And I was like, just cut out 16 of <laughs> each of these links. And uh, now I've got... I, I miscounted my eye hooks, so I had to go back to Lowe's. I have one one more shelf to do, but uh, the main shelves have been hanging up here for days, and one of them, uh, one, only one has a load on it because I've been waiting, you know, for the weekend and the holiday to finish to uh, start pulling shit out of the garage. But one of them, I had handy a box of my 1990s Braves collectible. So I have one thing. But, there's basically a, like a notch with a window that I'm looking straight forward. And it actually works out good for this project is the, the length to the left of that uh, cutout, that notch with the window in it is four feet. And then to the right of that is eight feet. And the, the wall behind me is 16 feet. So the four foot pieces work perfectly. I have two, two and one on one wall and four on the other. And it, and it just worked out nicely. The one that's sitting by itself is loaded up with, Braves starting lineup figures and these weird, uh, these weird baseballs <laughs> with Brave. Like I'm gonna guess it's got to be. It's got Greg Maddox and Fred McGriff. So does that make it 93 or 94? Something like that. Um, I've got a John Smoltz. I've got a Javi Lopez standing on Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, <laughs> uh, trying to catch a catch a pop up. Uh, I've got Fred McGriff sliding into first. I've got a big Chipper Jones and a small bobblehead Chipper Jones. I've got a John Smoltz. So I'm looking at all this stuff. And this is beautiful. And I have this old, weird Braves clock that I've had for years. The clock doesn't work anymore. It's stuck at 755. I put new batteries in. It doesn't work. But that's hanging underneath it. Um, it's really more of a lacquered, weird, old poster with... <laughs> with a, a, a symbolic clock in the top of it. But so this corner is now my brave, my nineties Braves corner. It is not, I repeat, not a 2022 Braves corner as when the Braves made the playoffs this year, I realized I did not know the name of a single current brave, but I sat down and I was able to recreate from memory 18 of the 25 gentlemen on the 25 man roster of the 1992 Braves. But I could not, I know zero of 25 of the 2022 Braves. So there you go. So uh, the project, it's one of these things where 
uh, I had this desire, you know, uh, on and on about organization and clutter. And so this is a, this is a step to reducing the clutter. Of course, there's this transitional phase where on the way to reducing the clutter, you make so much more clutter. <laughs> you make it so much worse before you make it better. And I'm at that stage and I'm just fixing this weekend. I'm fixing to try to make it better, to get stuff on those shelves and out of boxes and make the boxes go away. I mean, one of the things is, uh, particularly with these collectibles, there's a lot of padding in there. So you have one of these kind of big boxes and it might have like the toys that it has in that box will fit on one, one of these seven shelves. So one shelf gets rid of a giant box, right? And so then that just reduces the amount of volume of stuff in the box, which means I can make it tighter and it means I have more floor space and all this stuff. Also, this failed uh, to happen on the time scale I wanted, but I was declaring November the month of Hubblevember, <laughs> which is to say I wanted to go through all my mom's shit and find anything of relevance to my cousins and figure out, divide it up amongst them and send it to them. The old footlocker that what my grandfather took to Korea and back in, when was the Korean War? 49 to 52, something like that. 49 to 51. Somewhere in there is when he went to Korea. And that's the footlocker that went. And it, my mom has had it ever since. And she at one point had decoupaged stuff in the 70s. My mom loved to decoupage. And then I think she scraped all that stuff off and sanded it and painted it. And for when I was younger, it held my comic book collection before uh, it way outgrew it. I remember when we moved from Kansas to Georgia, um, in fact, my comic book collection fit inside that footlocker. Uh, that's how it moved. <laughs> it was packed up in there. <sighs> and I want that gone. And my uh, one of my cousins wants it. And it's like, I will send it to you. However, if I'm sending you a footlocker, God knows what it will cost to ship. <laughs> like empty, this thing is probably 30 pounds, maybe 40 pounds. I'm not shipping you a 40-pound piece of wood empty. <laughs> I'm shipping this and everything, uh, everything that uh, you want. And then by the time we're done with this process, any Hubble stuff that I don't want is going in the trash. <laughs> so there you go. And I feel so good about it. Oh, I've been going through my mom's pictures. <laughs> and so my brother was years ahead of this. Of course, he had teenage labor at the time that he was paying I think he paid maybe a dime a picture to get them scanned. And I think he paid a dime a picture and maybe 20 cents if they could identify everyone in the picture. <laughs> so there was a, a premium to organize. There was an economic incentive for the teenager to uh, organize and uh, put them in the proper taxonomy. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have that. Or actually, I'm getting about to where I do have that now. I've waited so long. But I, as I go through some of my mom's pictures... I have a first pass culling of them. For one thing, I'm taking them out of these awful albums. All, uh, in an earlier era, people sure loved an album to page through. And so you might have, oh, I don't know, 80 photos. And it's in this giant five-pound album. <laughs> it's like, so first off, take every photo out, throw away the album with these deteriorating, like rotting plastic vinyl, whatever those little sheets are that it would hold them in. And then I go through the photos. Any photo of a building, any photo without a human in it, immediately goes in the trash. All my mom's pictures of cathedrals and castles in Ireland, I don't give two shits about. I don't give 
two shits about travelogues of trips I didn't go on. So all that stuff, it's heartless, but it's just going away. Then you've got pictures of people that I have no idea who they are. Like uh, my mom's, uh, you know, English friends or her students on some of these like uh, overseas trips that she would chaperone. She managed to scam a few trips where she was the, the, the kids were going and then she was like the faculty uh, chaperone. So she got a free trip to wherever they went, London or something. <sighs> pictures of just the kids go in the trash. Her and the kids I'll keep and scan. But uh, so just getting rid of the stuff. Whew. And by the time we're done, uh, I expect it to be by the end of calendar 2022. I want to be free of the legacy of dead people's stuff. That's what I want to be. <sighs> so now, uh, you know, we are in the holiday season. We've already, I have not done a show since Halloween. I will tell you, uh, in my, uh, I'm in my sixth decade. Uh, you know, there was the child era. There was the trick-or-treating, when I, the era when I trick-or-treated. Like everyone, I trick-or-treated one year too many. Um, and it was just embarrassing and kind of sad. Uh, and then, you know, there was nothing for a long time until I had a child. And then with this renewed trick-or-treating. And we're actually getting to the point where we're almost uh, over it, where we still, we care less about the dressing up, but we, we're effectively, the kid is at the point of being one of those asshole teenagers that show up and want candy with no, no uh, costume. We're, we are almost there. This year for Halloween, I have absolutely never been less into the whole thing. We went to multiple trunk or treats. I actually think this is a good um a good thing in the the world, or and if not in the world, in my world, because uh, instead of walking around neighborhoods, you know, you have a place, and there's this um, rock church which has taken over a old shopping center, and they had a trunk or treat, and so there's oh I don't effectively people pull up their cars and create little scenes. Some of them are more elaborate, some of them are just a trunk, and they hand out candy, and you walk through one parking lot, and you get what you got walking through neighborhoods with. Lots, lots fewer steps. Let's put it this way. You cover, we used to, when we, when we trick-or-treated in our neighborhood, there might be, you'd go to a house and maybe the next door house has the lights on. And then there might be four houses with the lights off. So you you go through a block and you've walked, you know, a quarter mile and you've gotten like four or five houses worth of stuff. So when you do the trick-or-treat, it is candy, 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 like 10 steps, another candy. 10 steps, more candy. So there's the density of that uh, works out great. And we actually stopped um, at a neighborhood near us uh, on the way home from the trunk or treat. So we went to t- three different trunk or treats. One at an old folks home, which actually had corn dogs. And it was plush because they, they, I guess what they wanted to do was attract kids to come out there to make the old people happy to have all this kid activity running around. Uh, uh, we went to one at the college, which was good. And then uh, we went to one uh, at the, the church. And on the way home, it's like eight o'clock on Halloween night. And we just decided to tootle through this neighborhood that's nearby. Our neighborhood is such low density that there's no point. There's like eight houses in a giant block. And so there's zero, uh, like our neighbors told me they don't even buy candy because no one comes out here to trick or treat. So we went to this like housing development near our house. It's on the way home to our house. And what it turned out, this was not the plan, but it's the way it worked out is that, uh, the kid was at several of these ones, probably the last trick or treater or 
what it would be expected to be, if not the very last one, you know, the last couple. So you know what happens when you got a lot of candy left and you see what you think is the last trick-or-treater? That's what happened. <laughs> so for an investment of another 10 minutes, the kid, oh, I don't know, added by 40% to the candy haul, it was redonkulous. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but I have never, ever cared less. And honestly, we, we just went through Thanksgiving and I did not care. Literally everything we did about Thanksgiving was for grandpa. It was a puppet show. No one else cared anything about anything. We didn't have turkey. We just had a, a simple ham because we didn't care. And, you know, honestly, I think we had two dishes too many and it was a little too complicated because grandpa barely eats. So, uh, I just didn't care. And frankly, I don't really care about Christmas. I don't know if this is an indicator that I am dead inside. <laughs> the, on When I listen to Thought Spiral, J.L. Elvis Weinstein is uh, very uh, upfront about the fact that uh, he doesn't get upset about a lot of things. And he says, it's not a good thing. It's because I'm dead inside. <laughs> and I sort of feel like possibly I might be approaching that, right? It's... it's uh, these things that are, you know, should to be pleasurable, I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, Christmas, it'll be fun. We'll do the things. We'll get presents for the kid. There's literally, like, the idea of coming up for presents for my family to get me is actually like pulling teeth because I don't know what. <laughs> I've been by, I buy myself presents as I want them, as I go, as most um, men in my position do. My age and uh, you know position, you don't you're not waiting for Christmas. <laughs> if you want a thing, you just get the goddamn thing. <sighs> what am I gonna tell them? I don't know. Like just thinking of that is just bums. It's like I guess it's reasonable that they don't. Nobody accepts. Just don't get me anything. But boy, if they would, that would be great. Maybe what I will do is pick a charity and say donate to this charity for me. This is the thing I want. Is Maybe that will, I don't know if that will satisfy anyone. We'll, we'll try. But now what I'm going to do is have a sip of this. Oh, I brewed this a little bit ago, and it's not even Aldi's coffee. Mm. It's actually branded Starbucks coffee from the store because I couldn't make it to Aldi's. Mm. Oh, you can taste the extra $3. Mm. I say for a pound, but I think the pound is 12 ounces. So it's the, what do you call it when uh, there's a, it's not inflation, but it's like uh, when the price stays the same, but the amount you get gets smaller. I forget what that's called. There's a term for that. Mm. So in not being uh, into the holidays, absolutely, I am not particularly into Black Friday. Uh, I barely left the house on Friday. Uh, I had to go pick up a car from a car dealership and take back a loaner car. That's the only thing I did for Black Friday. Um, but there was, uh, I have enough of these apps on my phone that, boy, was it buzzing nonstop yesterday. Every, uh, like, Eufy and Wise and, like, every IoT brand where I have an app was trying to sell me stuff, Walmart. I have the Walmart app and the Lowe's app, and they're all buzzing my phone with push notifications. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Ian, I did buy myself something um, as a Black Friday, pre-Black Friday, Black Friday thing, which I bought it at least a week ago. So it was pretty pre. They have this thing at Walmart. They're Wiz, 
I capital Z. It's kind of weird looking. Um, there are these IOT lights. And I had never heard of this brand before two weeks ago. <laughs> but they're really pushing it at um, Walmart. And I've bought, like, Mercure used to be the IOT brand they sold there. And they were okay. And I've bought some, I have bought some acceptable um, IOT stuff at Walmart. And I bought some shit stuff that I threw in the trash. <laughs> so um, I did, I went and checked. And there is, in fact, a Wiz uh, integration for Home Assistant. So that's now I don't buy. I always check before I do anything. If it doesn't integrate to Home Assistant easily, or if I have to flash some firmware, if I have to flash Tasmona on it, I don't even want the thing. Um, but it looked like it would come in pretty easy, easily. And for four bulbs, um, color changing bulbs, like tunable white and color changing, four bulbs, $18. I'm like, that is wor- that's a deal <laughs> worth experimenting on. And I got these things. I will say that these are fantastic. <laughs> there are a lot of times, some of these ones that I have bought, particularly like the cheaper bulbs like this, I bought some Sonoff, Sonoff brands. They were so dim. They were kind of useless. They were just barely, uh, like you couldn't even read by it when it was in the white mode. It was just, I don't know what the, how many lumens. It was like effectively like a 30 watt bulb, uh, you know, uh, output of light. I believe I have worked it out that a lumen like a 40 watt incandescent bulb is like 400 lumens. So the something is it's close to that. Close enough to that that you can cuz I like when I go buy LED um uh light bulbs, I never know <laughs> if they don't say it's the same as 60 watt. I never know what the hell I'm buying. It's like I need something brighter. It's like uh how many lumens is that? So I finally sat down and figured it out. It's like okay, if you want a 100 watt light bulb and the LED is like 12 watts, but it's a, a thousand lumens. That's the thing you want. Okay, there you go. But this, these whiz bulbs, uh, I'm really loving it. And so the use case that I have for the one, and honestly, I tell you, I bought two packs of them just in case. Seven of them are still in the uh, box, and I'm still super happy with this. I've got a couple uh, that I can deploy somewhere. I haven't yet decided where that place is. But the what I'm doing with the one is I have this light by my desk that I was using as my something needs attention light. So, for example, I was turning it on when Home Assistant has an update available. And I wasn't doing much else with it. But what I do now is I sat down and I had a bunch of notification situations in Home Assistant. And one of them is that my um, Galaxy, my Samsung watch is low on battery. One of them is that Home Assistant has an update. One of them is that the Roomba has... is run out of battery. It, like sometimes if it gets stuck somewhere and then never makes it back to the charger, it'll get low on battery. So I think if the battery gets to 10% and it's not charging or maybe 5%, I have, I want a notification about that so that I can go find the thing before it runs out of battery. So there's like situations like this. Um, and what I had been doing is just t- been turning on the light and because it was just an on-off light, I had to go figure out what the hell, like what something needs attention, but I don't know what. So what I did is I figured out um, in Home Assistant, when you're doing a tunable light, one of the things you have is a thing called Home Assistant Blue, which is effectively the color of the, it's like the color palette of the icon, this very light blue. Um, so if it's Home Assistant needing an, it has an update, I have to turn it to that color. If it's Samsung, I tried to get as close to the Samsung blue as I could. If uh, Roomba, I tried to get as close to the Roomba green of the Roomba logo. You know, all this kind of stuff. So I can tell, oh, it's green. Roomba needs something. 
So even without looking at anything, I can look at this light bulb. It's on and it's green. Roomba needs help. So it's like uh, it's like Lassie. <laughs> it's like somehow Timmy always knew what Lassie was trying to <laughs> trying to uh, convey. It's like, huh? What's that boy? Roomba needs help. Roomba is stuck in the well. Okay. <laughs> So this light is now my lassie. <laughs> oh, show title? Perhaps. It's a candidate. This light is my lassie. <laughs> but that's that's one of the best IoT values. That's as good a value as when at some of those crazy ass cheap switches that I was buying. And whatever it was, six or seven years ago, you know, the idea that I would get a four dollar Sonoff switch that would do anything uh, made me super happy. Um, even though the first one I bought, you had to you had to uh, cut the wires, strip the wires, screw them to terminals before this thing worked because it came with no plug and no outlet. It was just a relay, basically, and a Wi-Fi switch. And I was happy that I could, you know, for four dollars I could do that. But at this point, I don't care. All I care about is usability, and all I care about is uh, consolidating as much as possible because I don't want to have. 20 different brands of things. So um, thus far, Wiz is a candidate for possibly consolidation. I'm confining that. I will tell you, Wemo is out. <laughs> All Wemo switches I have are going to Goodwill because Wemo sucks as a IoT switch. Um, and some of the off-brand, the Mercure switches, I think are all out. Um, and I'm kind of consolidating on a couple brands. TP-Link and possibly Wiz and some of the Amazon basics. And that should get me through most things like that. So uh, that's, um, but it's been fun. <laughs> and that's the only Black Friday thing that I've cared about at all. So speaking to the deadness inside, <laughs> this came up at work where somebody was asking me something about the politics of the region. I did not know because, or it wasn't politics. It was the news of the region. And I had to tell my coworkers, I don't know, because I don't watch the news. I only watch, I will watch local news um, if there's a weather event or possibly if there's a traffic event. Like if there's some sort of catastrophic road work happening, I want to know that. If there's flooding, like when we have this, you know, a hurricane comes by, drops a lot of rain, and then there's flooding. I want to know where there's flooding and what's closed. Other than that, I'm not going to watch local news. I'm not going to watch national news. I'm not going to watch, I'm going to... Things of enough import that I need to know will filter to me. And other than that, I don't need I don't need every cold ball and strike in the politics game real time. Right. I don't need play by play of anything. Oh, the whatever the they put out this bill and they were rejecting in this vote. I don't that stuff uh, stresses you out. And the beginning of my news blackout happened started at least 15 years ago. It was well before the child was born. And now it was, now it's super, super much more uh, important to me. And, but along with that, I've also, <sighs> the 2020 election, 26, 2012 through 2020, really sort of uh, knocked, or uh, 2016 and 2020, those two election cycles really basically just rubbed my face in the fact that the candidates that I care about um, always get squashed by um, the establishment of the Democratic Party. And 
while I will readily admit that uh, Joe Biden was better than the alternative we had in the uh, national election, I've said this multiple times, right? He was at best my fifth choice from from you know, in terms of policy, in terms of priorities and what they thought I thought they were going to get done. He was at best the fifth of the crew to me. Now, I will admit he's been, you know, a reasonably steady hand on the tiller. And that's all I ever want of any party. I want steady hand on the tiller. I don't want somebody who acts like uh, uh, a complete loose cannon uh, governs at a whim. Right. I would need a thorough administrator who gets shit done. That's all I ever care about. Um, policy, you know, whatever the ideally the policies match, because then that means that they're doing the things that they're doing. But the basic keeping the lights on of the country. I need somebody to do that. <laughs> right. But so what this says is I'm glad that we have, a, you know, a less arbitrary a less whim-driven situation that, frankly, was exhausting for four years. At the same time, I don't give that much of a shit. Every, like, during the midterm elections, I paid as little attention as possible. Um, Where I live, it's extremely Republican, so there are extremely few uh, contested races. I vote, you know, I voted against the Republican for Senate, which they won, of course. And, you know, it just doesn't matter. This whole thing about when people tell you how important it is you vote. The vo- It also freaks people out sometimes that I vote in the Republican primary. I've never voted in the Democratic primary because the Republican primary here is the de facto general election for 80 percent of the races <laughs> that the. If I don't vote in the Republican primary, I've never voted for anyone in I don't get to choose anyone in city council. I don't get to choose the mayor because that's where it happens. Um, so and if I voted in the Democratic primary, what I do is I get to to uh, I maybe in presidential years where it matters to me, I vote in in that. But particularly in a midterm election or anything like that, I'm not I, I want to vote for my local contests. I, I, I think I said I never voted Democrat. I, that's absolutely not true. I have voted in some of the presidential uh, years where it mattered to me. I have voted in the Democratic primary. But more often than not, when you vote in the Democratic primary, if it's not a presidential uh, election year, any of the three off years, what you're doing is you're picking which Democrat will get their ass handed to them in the statewide election. And I don't really care that much about it. So in general... I feel like I have withdrawn, not I feel like I have literally withdrawn from politics. I'm not, uh, I'm not putting myself in it. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in the fight. I'm not volunteering for anything for one party or another. I'm not, I throw away all the stuff as soon as I get it in the election year. I don't read any of the stuff. The day before the election, I kind of look online. I was like, which of these assholes? Do I at least one in? I, I'm seldom voting for for somebody. I'm either voting, um, I'm either voting straight Democrat if that's possible, or else I just pick which of the assholes is the least odious. <laughs> we have some pick, you know, three of five uh, type elections. Like, ugh, which one of these humps do I not want the most? <laughs> which ones do I not want more than I don't want other ones? <sighs> but, and I feel like I've made myself saner. I feel like I've made myself calmer. My blood pressure is lower. I feel like that helps me. However, when I do that, 
am I de facto granting a win to the people I most oppose in the world of politics? Like, is getting me to set out of the game a win for people that I would be opposing? I guess it is. <sighs> the question that I struggle with is, do I, how much does it bother me that I'm granting a default win? I'm granting a buy to the people that I would be fighting against if I were in the fight. Does that, does that hurt me that I'm granting them a buy? Does it bother me that I'm granting them a buy? Should I be doing something differently? Oh my God. Sometimes, I mean, there's some awful policies that come from some of these awful people. And uh, certainly we have been to protest marches uh, in the last year about some of the worst of the worst policies. But in terms of like organization and like we have been to uh, Democratic Party things for this area. I have been to meet the candidate things for the governor's race. And I just don't see ever doing any of that again. But by... Um, you know, even withdrawing my token support from the token opposition is giving up. I mean, giving up doesn't feel great, honestly, but being in it feels worse. <laughs> so I'm sort of, I'm sort of hosed either way. And I don't know. I mean, really and truly what I end up doing uh, from here will, it's like voting for the candidates, right? Like what's the worst option here? Let's avoid the worst option here because I really don't like any of the options. I don't want to be, I just can't see myself uh, caring that much. Um, I'm not going to care, you know, uh, the, the hold your nose and vote for the Democratic candidate that you really didn't want <laughs> because it's so important. You, that's been every uh, presidential election since uh, Dukakis. <laughs> Like, I voted for Dukakis because I had to. He's not who I supported in the, in the primaries. Clinton was not who I supported in the primaries. Obama was not who I supported in the primaries. Uh, you know, the other Clinton was not who I supported in the primaries, right? Biden was not who I supported in the primaries. Al Gore, absolutely not who I supported in the primaries. N not one of these people was my first choice from the Democratic primary. Zero of these fuckers. So, and yet I've voted for every one of them. And then you hear shit about, well, yeah, what are you going to do? Not vote? And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Right? In 2016, all I wanted was anyone to give me one reason to be happy to vote for Hillary Clinton. And all I ever heard was, shut the fuck up and vote for Hillary Clinton. This is too important to not vote. It's like, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking to be browbeat. I'm saying, tell me why I should be happy about this. Give me one tiny sliver of hope and positivity to hang on to and they and they would basically slap me in the face and say shut the fuck up so that's like that behavior is why i don't care and uh i mean what am i going to do support the green party i mean i suppose i could become a green party activist and you know put my energy in that i mean Certainly, I've tilted against windmills, and I may tilt it against another windmill, which is, that's basically what that is. And then, of course, if you ever get any traction, then you hear about how awful you are because you're costing an election because you're getting traction. So you either get no traction and waste your time, or you get lots of shit about the fact that you had any uh, effect at all. It's like, <sighs> or I could bunker down 
in my house and be a country gentleman who doesn't really need much from anybody else and doesn't take much from anybody else and just sits here with my uh, fellow um, semi-outcast from society <laughs> in this nice neighborhood out in the country, riding my lawnmower, my electric lawnmower, and uh, figuring out how to woodwork without cutting my fingers off and uh, how to cut 45-degree cuts in the right direction, <laughs> how to use a speed square. Oh, the speed square, man. The speed square saved my life. Thank you, little speed square. That's why any of this shit <laughs> works at all is because of the speed square. Uh, I'd never even heard of one six months ago, and uh, now it is the most essential thing in my garage. Um, you know, it's it's at his heart selfish because I've got what I need here. And like if I were in the political process, uh, the people I'm helping are not me. I'm helping people who need help more than me. And by not being in it, I'm not helping any of those people. Maybe what I need to do to even it out is more direct help uh, via volunteerism to the people I'm concerned with because I have no hope <laughs> that the political process is going to do anything for them. So there needs to be some other direction. Um, and maybe that's what I do is, you know, fuck the parties and fuck the process and fuck uh, the political system. Do what I need to to keep it going, and then uh, provide more uh, direct aid and comfort to the people that uh, I think need it. Maybe that's where I go. Maybe I have talked it out <laughs> as I talk to you. All right, my friends, thank you for listening uh, to my um, self therapy session. That's what the show is. At eighteen plus years of uh, auto therapy. <laughs> There you go. I should record this show lying on a couch, uh, but I don't. If you would like to get in touch, Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. Um, I believe my next show is going to be a 100% feedback show. How about that? So if you want to get uh, get something in before the next show, uh, I will try to read like the last year of emails. <laughs> Playing Darren's song made me realize I probably uh, am under exploiting the feedback. So let's uh, let's get some use out of that and uh, get some airtime for the people who bothered to write to Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. I thank you. Also, if you're listening to this, go to the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. If you want to be a part of the Discord, Darren Griffith is part of the Discord. He was he was up there, <laughs> so uh, it's fun and we talk about fun stuff. So uh, come join. If you're uh, willing to Discord, then Discord. All right? Come do it with us. Thank you for listening. And as you go out in the world and either participate in politics or ignore politics or listen to the news or ignore the news, I don't want you to forget that I love you. Goodbye. I'm not uh, representing the band. The first one I bought, you had to cut, take an extension cord, cut it in half, Screw, you know, like, strip the terminals and screw them to, you know, strip the wires, screw them. Every step, Every step of fucking, fucking adventure. adventure.